0: Hello Mud Season listeners, Leah Kelleher here. If this is the first time you're hearing my voice, I'm a producer for Mud Season. I've also just started my new series called A Tune. Creating A Tune has been an amazing experience, and I have so many powerful stories and voices that I want to share with you. Here's the second episode of A Tune called, Rising to Meet Uncertainty.
1: We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming. Whether you, we are like the ones that are contributing
2: the least to climate change, yet we're the ones that are mostly affected, and that's very painful to watch and see. Because every day I see people suffering because of climate change. There is
0: this sense of doom, and then there is the sense of deep hope, and it just becomes really
3: overwhelming.
4: What is a word for an intense and profound cynicism that you push to the back of your head because it's? the only option
2: when I think about the future of the planet I'm immediately kind of get this feeling of like whoa this is the future and it's scary it doesn't seem like a happy thing <laughs>
5: Last year, I went to Alaska for two weeks in the summer to, to film a documentary about this massive ocean heat wave that hit the Pacific Northwest. It's nicknamed the blob.
3: The infamous blob has returned to the Pacific Ocean. This is the name that's been given to an expansive, unusually warm water. The last time we saw one,
5: five years ago. The documentary explores how this bird called the common myrrh was nearly wiped out. And for years after the heat wave, they weren't able to reproduce at all because, first off, they were focused more on finding food than even thinking about reproducing. Like survival was was top priority. They didn't really have time to to continue uh, reproducing. Only last year were they were they starting to see eggs again.
3: How do you get people to look at this crisis and really see the magnitude of it? Who, who right now don't care. This isn't something that we can wait to fully see the end, because the end is us no longer existing. I'm Leah Kelleher,
0: and this is a tune, a podcast that dives into stories that stitches closer to the world outside our window and help us reimagine what it means to exist on our planet. Emma Page's question is something I think about a lot. What will it take to instill a deep sense of urgency in humanity? Urgency that could fuel change, real change. I'm 21 years old, and I struggle to remain even cautiously optimistic about the future of our planet in the face of our climate crisis. And I'm not alone.
2: Here's Chloe Chobel. I think it's really hard to think about the future of our planet and not get a sort of feeling of dread and fear and kind of helplessness in some ways. Here's Bay Burnham.
0: For some weird reason, we just can't find it within ourselves to make hard, important, but also relatively simple changes in order to save our species, to save our offspring.
4: We've heard all the updates of climate change since it started and, and it's just gotten worse and worse.
2: That was Ty Martin. Um, I'm like ranting a lot because I feel like I was thinking about it earlier and I was like, man, I actually feel like a lot of opinions about these things because I think it's just frustrating. I don't know, It's everything with coronavirus also really sums up a lot of my fears with climate change too, because just with COVID, there's a lot of people who are deciding to not protect their communities.
4: I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any feasible way to get out of the climate crisis that we're in right now. Our economic and social structure is so deeply entrenched and the power system is so crystallized that real change feels like a genuine impossibility.
0: That was Joe Waxman. The voices you just heard belong to four different young people who grew up in different places around the U.S. Chloe grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, Joe in Concord, Massachusetts, Bay in Rochester, New York. And Ty is from West Hampton, Massachusetts.
3: With a crisis of this magnitude, it's very stressful to be educating yourself on what's happening with climate change and with the state of our country, of the earth, and seeing the lack of action that would help prevent this crisis, because it's crazy to think that there is this great, huge crisis, there are solutions, and because we're stuck in corruption, there's no way of getting from point A safely to point B.
5: Climate change is a reality. It's real. It's coming. It's here. It's only going to worsen every single situation that we have going on now. Every single issue that we're worried about, it's only going to make it worse.
0: I want to preface this episode by noting that you will hear from many different young voices with a variety of perspectives and opinions about politics and the future of our planet. This episode is not trying to claim how all young people feel and think. Instead, I'm trying to provide a space for some young voices to be heard. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's continue. Educating yourself on Amazon deforestation, ocean plastic pollution, environmental injustices, our sixth mass extinction, I could go on with this list, but I don't have the time. Educating yourself to the point of urgency is disheartening at best, but young people today don't have a choice. This is our future. We have to live it. Ben Collins and Greta Thunberg put it well. Here's Greta.
1: This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school, on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you?
5: Kids should not be worried about the future and policy when they're 12, 13 years old. That's freaky. When I was 10, 11, 12, I couldn't tell you what policy was, but now kids have to know because they have to be able to, to understand it and be able to fight for their livelihoods.
1: You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words, and yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth.
5: As young people, we have to realize that older people aren't going to act for us. For better or worse, this is not their issue. They're not going to get the full impact, but us and our children are going to get the major impact of it. We have to realize that every single day, we got to do something. Otherwise, we're not taking responsibility for our own future.
1: But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you.
3: The, the scary reality is that not addressing this crisis ends in, in very, very bleak circumstances for everyone who walks on this earth.
0: I'll be honest, when making this episode, I struggled to balance the doom and gloom of what you just heard, of the reality of our situation, with hope for the future. Part of me wants to be blindly optimistic about the future, so that I don't have to face the idea that my children and my children's children, the deep future, might not get to inhabit the world that I love and I don't just mean the existential threat of humanity and other life disappearing from our planet. I also think about my children not hearing birdsong. I think about my future daughter living in a quieter world, when the song of sparrows and viries goes quiet. I don't think pure optimism will excavate us from the climate crisis, but neither will dwelling in nihilism. It's important that we face the gravity of our climate crisis head-on, no matter how difficult, but it's also important that we recognize sources of hope. Because right now, that seems to be what young people have to hold on to. The ray of hope lies in young people who are using their voices and stories to fuel change. You've already heard some of these voices. Both Emma Page and Ben Collins, who you heard earlier, are members of Sunrise Movement Burlington and students at the University of Vermont. Ben is a photographer who works as the head of communications for Burlington Sunrise, while Emma is the movement's hub co-coordinator. You may have heard about the Sunrise Movement when young people confronted Senator Feinstein about the Green New Deal.
2: Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years.
0: Or when the organization endorsed presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Climate activist group Sunrise Movement, known for its Green New Deal proposal, is
3: backing Senator Bernie Sanders. But the movement
0: is much more
3: than what the headlines will tell you. Sunrise has opened up this entire world of young, really, I would say like powerful people who obviously don't have like power, not in a sense of they're like super high up or have big jobs, big titles, but powerful in the sense that they are super tech savvy and know how to use their voices and make people listen. On a national platform, you can really see that with the Sunrise Movement. We're not screaming into a
0: void. Sunrise is a movement of young people fighting to make the climate crisis an urgent priority across the United States. The movement believes in electing leaders who will stand up for the health of all beings on our planet and who are not corrupted by the fossil fuel industry. In 2018, they called out midterm Senate and House candidates who had continued to accept money from fossil fuel corporations and gave support to politicians who back renewable energy. Ten of the group's 20 endorsements won their elections. Ten. Half. Including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who you may know as AOC, and Rashida Tlaib, Local Sunrise movements like Sunrise Burlington also encourage young people to get involved with local politics when fighting for national change becomes too overwhelming and, well, downright depressing.
5: Within the first couple meetings, I learned so much about how much change needs to be done on the local level. Even though Burlington seems like such a green city and Vermont looks so sustainable, really there's a lot that needs to be changed on all, all levels. It's something that I wasn't really aware of before. I didn't really know that so much happened in local and state politics. When you think about it, it's obvious it does, but it just never came across my brain. So joining Sunrise really opened my eyes to how much change can be made in local and state politics. That really reverberates nationwide.
0: Every movement has to start somewhere. When Washington fails to act, why not strive for change right in your neighborhood? Sunrise Burlington is already sending ripples of change throughout our city.
5: We were able to help get all these local ward reps elected that that really fight for progressive climate policy in Burlington.
0: Just recently, the University of Vermont announced that it will fully divest its more than $500 million endowment from fossil fuels by July 2023. This is a huge step forward for a university that prides itself on images of sustainability and being a green campus.
5: We stood up and we, we sank. I took some photos of that, and that ended up being our, our most liked post on Instagram, most shared post on Instagram for the whole year. And that visual storytelling element. I like to think helped play a small role in, in helping UVM get divested. I just want to say thank you to everyone who for the past 12 years has been working on it many years before. So when national politics really start to become discouraging and you don't feel like a lot's getting done, um, one one option is always to go to your local Sunrise Hub and take part in local politics. It, it's really, a, it, it helps a lot. You get to see a lot of progress being made just on such a short time scale. And it's wonderful to, to, be able to make that change.
0: Sunrise not only works to put our climate crisis on the table of local government and educational systems through endorsements and outreach, it also refuses to settle for politicians
3: that don't uphold their values. It's really meaningful that an organization like this isn't participating in the like settling system that is politics right now. If we're endorsing candidates, we need our hub to approve that candidate by a 70% margin. Like, there's no close calls. We're only willing to endorse candidates that have vision that aligns with ours. They're not going to endorse a candidate that they don't believe in. And I think you can see this on the national level with supporting someone like Bernie Sanders and they're not giving the same support to a candidate like Joe Biden who has accepted fossil fuel money and has voted problematically in concerns to the climate crisis. Our system needs people that aren't going to settle for bills and laws and for, who aren't going to settle for other kind of crappy politicians that are able to be elected from big money.
0: Now I want to pause here for a second, because many of the young people I've talked to see our big money politics Is a major inhibitor of real productive change.
5: Money makes decisions. When climate change starts to impact the country and the world financially is when people will start to freak out.
3: Fossil fuels is a system that owns politicians. And if they don't have those systems anymore, they don't know how they can run. We have the resources to make our country not only more sustainable, but so much more accessible to everyone, having a sustainable transportation system in our nation that will give people affordable access to travel and to have more job opportunities. It would save people time, it would save people money, it would give people new opportunities and literal only reason we can't do that is because of the greed of our politicians and they don 't want us to be able to think of sustainable transportation as an option, which I think is something that you saw in The Green New Deal when it was advertised. Politicians didn't want people to even see it as an option. There's no reason why it should be realistic if it's what we need.
2: Climate change, while it might not have an impact on you right now in this moment
3: today, will affect you tomorrow. The Democratic Party, was scared and just wants to beat Trump, so they settled for a candidate that I'm not sure is ultimately going to be able to do it.
0: As you probably know, or at least I hope you know, that candidate Emma mentions is Joe Biden. Now, I don't want to get too far into how young people feel about Biden as the Democratic candidate, because that's a whole other story, but I do think it's worth noting how young people may have influenced Biden's proposed climate policy. Sunrise gave Biden's original climate plan an F during the Democratic primaries. But now, they may rethink that rating. I'm announcing my plan for a clean energy revolution. It outlines what we have to do to meet this challenge head on and how we're going to get there. We're going to invest $1.7 trillion
2: in securing our...
5: The fact that Sunrise Movement, which started just a couple years ago, is now influencing one of the two presidential candidates to to change his policy drastically and go back on his word and say, no, actually, we're going to ban fossil fuel use and do all these other things that will make a more sustainable future for the, for the people who are asking for it, for the people who will be experiencing that future. I think it does give me hope.
0: All right, back to the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal has been a hot topic in politics and has been met with a spectrum of different responses, from total support to downright skepticism and even rejection. But what is the Green New Deal? Well, to put it simply, it's a congressional resolution that proposes a plan for tackling climate change head-on. The plan includes phasing out fossil fuel use, curbing greenhouse gas emissions like methane and carbon dioxide, and creating new well-paying jobs in the clean energy sector all in the next 10 years. It also says that the world needs to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, meaning we can't emit more emissions than the planet can absorb in 30 years. Here are some of the other main elements of the plan. Upgrading every building in the U.S. to be more energy efficient, investing in electric cars and the creation of a high-speed rail, and sourcing all 100% of the nation's electricity from renewable technologies like wind and solar.
3: They're not starting with little steps. They understand that larger steps need to be taken if we actually want lasting change.
0: All this sounds pretty good, right? So why are politicians like Mitch McConnell and Ted Cruz so against it?
3: They took it as a law, as a bill. A resolution isn't finding like a bill or a law, it's a vision. Emma's exactly
0: right. The Green New Deal is a non-binding resolution, so even if the majority of Congress were to approve of it, details of the proposal wouldn't become law. Think of it as a roadmap to a cleaner, greener, more
3: just future. The resolution is a commitment to abolishing the system that doesn't work for not only our planet, but doesn't work for everyone in the country. It only works for the small few. I know people who even go to UVM and say, oh, well, I'm for environmental causes. I understand the climate crisis. I'm an advocate for the climate crisis, but I don't like the Green New Deal. And I think that that's just a lack of understanding of the resolution itself. You pass a resolution, you get support for the resolution. Okay, that doesn't mean that everything in the resolution is going to come to light. If you're a climate advocate and you can look at the Green New Deal and say, you know, like, I don't want it, then you're not a climate
5: advocate at all.
0: When thinking about green energy and ending fossil fuel consumption nationwide, Ben brings up a very valid and popular concern that's been voiced by Mitch and Ted and many other politicians.
5: We talk about getting rid of fossil fuel companies and getting rid of all these harmful corporations that are only doing worse for our economy. And one of the big issues that comes up with that is, oh, but what about all those people's jobs? What about those people's families? We can replace those jobs with sustainable green jobs, clean jobs that families can live off of. It'll actually be better for everyone all around. And so they're not gonna be just left out alone. They're not gonna be left out to dry when oil corporations and things shut down.
0: Ben is referencing the Green New Deal's emphasis on guaranteeing high-paying jobs, particularly through the expansion of the clean energy industry. Now, I can't talk about the Green New Deal without mentioning that it was blocked by the Senate last March. But that doesn't mean that young people like Ben and Emma have stopped fighting for our futures.
5: Every single meeting I go to at Sunrise, I come away with a newfound motivation to keep working It's really such a wonderful time of the week to be able to go and visit and chat with everyone and say hello and work towards a a better future all together. When there's joy, it's just so much more profound because everyone's there together. Everyone's experiencing it together. And we all know that no matter what, there's still this group of people fighting for climate action all around.
3: Sunrise movement is more than than composting. It's more than recycling. It's systemic change and an understanding that our system right now isn't serving our planet. It will not serve our planet sustainably.
5: For the future, I definitely feel better knowing that there's so many people out there who are passionate and care. It's easy to look down the line and get discouraged, but I know that no matter what, there's still going to be these people fighting. And I think that there's going to be a coming point in time where where we have sustainable energy, we have sustainable infrastructure, we have sustainable policy all in place, and everyone will be, will be there for each other at some point in time. Maybe that's my idealistic point of view, hoping that that day will come. But I, I, I have this hunch that that day will, will come. It's a mix of hope and ambition, hoping for a better future and knowing that the work's not going to be done unless you do the work.
3: Giving our environment justice giving our environment a chance to be ever providing and have it be a cycle, not just a take. And understand how to toggle between the the rawness of it and the you know, empathy for our earth, empathy for other people, and approach it in a sense of love and compassion for the earth that we live on. Between that and more hardcore change when it comes to our lawmakers and stuff like that and i think it's going to take both of those things and i think right now i would love to see a stronger focus on people looking kind of intrinsically and understanding that they do have a stake in this crisis
4: this is our great war our generation doesn't have um, a war to fight at least it's not a person it's not a group it's not a country it's ourselves really and it's our own mentality and it's our own lifestyle that, that is the enemy. And this is a war. It's as existentially threatening as any war has ever been. You know, you and me, we are the inheritors of thousands of lived lives successfully. Human lives and even non-human lives before that our common ancestors. Now we're at a turning point where we can continue to preserve the, the, the beauty and the diversity of our planet or we can really just fumble the ball. What do, what do you want your legacy to be?
0: I wish I had a more concrete and finalizing way of bringing this episode to a close, but the reality is I can't because the fight for climate justice and a future for young people is a story that's still playing out before us. So instead, I'll leave you with a landscape, a moment, and a poem. Until next time.
3: I went to a semester school in Colorado my junior year of high school, and we spent two 14-day expeditions in the Bears Ears National Monument in Utah, and spent time in the canyons and very remotely You know, like, reading Edward Abbey and Mary Oliver and reading about the desert, I've never found a more raw and humbling landscape. It's like everything is just much simpler there. I love the mountains, but when I'm in the mountains, I still feel kind of absorbed by, like, a ton of energy coming from the trees, and there's so many different moving parts, and I think the desert is really just just raw and rugged and simple.
5: I went to Smuggler's Notch to take a hike up the mountain. It was kind of late afternoon, so there's really deep shadows. I don't know if it was the sunscreen I was wearing or something, but a bunch of bees came and landed all over me. And at first I was like really freaked out. I was like, "I, I gotta move. And then I sat there for a moment, I had my camera on me and there was this little bee on my uh, forearm and I took a photo of it, like, zoomed in on it later on you could see its, its face and you could see it was kind of, kind of funny, it was like, oh, it has a shadow. That means it must be a, a living thing, like it has, it has meaning.
0: For my daughter, when every spring is silent, we trace bird silhouettes, practicing Phoebe, hey, sweetie, chickadee, and slow afternoons. Your eyes expand when I tell you about the loons that lulled me to sleep in summertime, years that had become dreams. My hair wasn't always gray. And you ask me to coo through the silence, and I do, melancholy morning pigeon, sore-throated opera singer, coo-woo. You and I, humming little bird, lights out. On Sunday mornings, you press my cheek and point at sugar maples, orange dancers gliding against the sky. Hand in hand, book in hand, your crayon fingers grip Mary Oliver, and we whistle, cheerio, cheerily, following old mud prints of dandelion and muck boots, your shoe etched inside mine. When we find our patch of Irish moss, you sit crisscross, waiting, listening, watching, welling with love you can't understand. Where are the cardinals? You wonder when the silence becomes too much. I want to tell you the truth, that it wasn't always this way, but I, I don't know how, so we coo together until the sun beats hot on our backs, until the silence is loud enough to hear. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, be sure to check out more of A Tune wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it by looking up A Tune, that's A T T U N E, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Leah Kelleher, and this has been Mud Season and A Tune.